We finally made it. 2023. Truly, I, for me personally, went down swinging till the last, I'm going to mix my idioms here, till the last drop. <laughs> and here we are, first podcast of 2024. Welcome to the Sick Palette Podcast, y'all. It's your host, Deepa Shreeder. Um, And because it's the first podcast of 2024, because we're setting intentions, because we're all about sort of following plans. <sighs> Let's talk about building that habit. And listen, I it, I get it. I get it. You make a plan. What is what is the thing that Khloe Kardashian always says? Yes, of course I watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians. I watch every single piece of reality TV I am watching. Okay? That's that's just how we're able to keep our sanity. Khloe Kardashian always says, uh, you make a plan, God laughs, and I get it. But also, I would say, still make that plan just in case God's busy that day laughing at someone else. A clunkier saying and not a saying, one would argue. But you know what I'm saying. Anyways, um, because we are setting intentions Thing number one for me is is going to be my little my little uh, PBS pledge drive. I'm I'm like kind of aging myself here. I think uh, when when I was a little immigrant baby, okay, in Dallas, Texas, specifically Garland, Texas, watching Sesame Street, watching Shining Time Station. Dude, are are kids hip to Shining Time Station? where Ringo was the conductor. How crazy was that? Um, everything was going smoothly on PBS. And then out of nowhere, out of nowhere, suddenly there would be a pledge drive that would ruin your day. Absolutely tear it to shreds, right? I was like, listen, we got Sesame Street. We got Shining Time Station. We got Barney. We have a routine. Okay? Talk about having a plan. That's what the saying should be. You make a plan and PBS will drive a pledge drive right through it. Anyways, thing number one for me is going to be my own little personal SP pledge drive. With, with, with it not being so pledgy pledge. But I just wanted to kind of let y'all know what's hitting the Substack, what the deal is, where we're going. So I feel like, especially, I, I think basically this Substack has now been like alive and kicking for a little over a year and a half, right? Year and a half and some change, let's just say. And it's been, it's been honestly. So, so incredible to see, just just to like immediately see like what works and what doesn't work when it comes to content. It's just one of those platforms where it really is about the quality of work and the difference 
of not only like pled, podcast listens or readership or likes, all of that stuff, right? All of that stuff that you have to aggregate and study and understand what, what's going on and why people are listening to you, talking with you, conversing with you, blah, blah, blah. Um, and the thing about this particular Substack and why I called it Sick Palette, well, mostly because I would keep proclaiming that I, I have a sick palate when it comes to wine. Yes, the origin of this newsletter slash podcast was wine. But it became really sort of a varied template. And I don't want to lose that because I do like that idea that the content on this Substack feels, I think, fresh and authentic because of that, right? I I see it as a strength rather than uh, like, oh, where's the focus? The focus is food. The focus is drink. The focus is fine dining. The focus is the, you know, what what it means to be a third culture chef. The focus is on all of that. The focus is on the state of the restaurant industry. The f- focus is on the state of food media. And that's that's still true going into 2024. However, what I would like to add to this particular substack is these pieces of content having better homes to sort of live in. What does that mean? That means this podcast doing the structure as three things we can talk about every week. Whew. A consistency hit. Uh, listenership is up. Things that feel um, just easy check marks is up. Right? So your podcast format, whether it it's going to be guests, which by the way, guests are coming to... Uh, the 2024 podcast format where they will be picking their three things they want to talk about. Very excited about it. Uh, but also, I I do know that there's a lot of people either in my DMs via Instagram or sort of wondering like, hey, are we ever going to get our wine reviews back? Are we ever going to have a place for that conversation? Because that is the origins of this podcast, of this whole endeavor. And the answer is yes. And that's going to be coming towards video content on the Substack. And that will be its own concerted sub-channel on here, which will first be available to paid subscribers and then um, in a couple weeks available to all subscribers. And we're just going to move in that direction. So that way we do have a moment for that wine review. I like the idea that a whole podcast isn't dedicated to a whole wine review anymore. But I do also know how fun, how um, how it really did connect a lot of people. How I felt connected to a lot of people, a lot of winemakers across the country um, and I want to, I want to like reestablish that connection. It's fun. It's fun to know about wine. I'm still very dumb about it. There's a lot to be, uh, delved into. So 
that is going to be added content. Another part. Yeah, Bagheer, I'm getting to it. He's very excited too about the video content. Um, but we're also going to be having um, some some guests. I guess some of y'all can guess who. But we're going to have um, some specific, I'll say board content. Uh, B-O-A-R-D hitting the Substack as well. And that's going to be video, a um, little bit on the educational front, but still sort of the same sort of SP filter on it. So a lot more added video content to the actual channel along with the podcast and newsletters coming at you. Newsletters with recipes coming at you at a far more frequent pace. So we're doubling down in 2024. 2023, there was lots of waning. I felt like, especially in that first half of the year, just getting busy with projects and trying to really figure out how I'm able to keep content up while um, establishing myself in a lot of other areas just of my career. And it made it bumpy. I'm I'm not going to lie. And I really appreciate the people that stuck around and, and held on to it. 2024, the Substack is coming at you. It's coming at me, all right? I have a very serious Google Doc that gives me nightmares. But we're doing it. And I'm excited by it. I'm scared by it. I'm excited by it. And what that means, though, is that... I will be able to produce as much content. I will be able to really sort of have the ability to have guests and uh, educational videos, non-educational videos. (laughs) Um, I'm going to be able to really sort of make sure that this is a priority, not just because personally I want to make this a priority. Um, If... If you are interested, if you are like, ooh, I would love to see what it means to be a paid subscriber. I just want to see what content I would be getting. There are trials that you can do. Just try it on for size. Take a look at those archives. Um, If you want to email me and you want to say, hey, I can't do $5 a month. I can't do $30 a year to this. That's just not in the budget. Let me know because paid subscribership especially this year, we're going to make a count. And for the people that can, you know, if you do get a paid subscription, then you also get gift referrals on this Substack, and you are able to then let your friends in on this. If we can spread the word together about what exactly uh, Sick Palette offers you, the range, uh, the derangement, mind you, <laughs> then... We can really grow this thing together. So anyways, that's my, that's my PBS pitch. That was, that was a hard pitch. Woo! And I promise, I promise, the rest of this podcast, let's get back to it. Let's get back into some rants, shall we? I'm ready for thing two. All right, y'all. Thing two. Thing two is, is a rant that you'll be familiar with. Uh, but it, it, it has some new, it has some new textures to it, shall I say. It's the first rant of 2024, y'all. Um, 
So I was talking with a friend, an associate, I would say. Um, we're talking about pop-ups in general. Uh, they were talking about possibly wanting to collab. And um, it, was, it was very interesting because I think, I think capitalism has really sort of rotted every single person's brain, even people that understand the food industry really well. I mean, there's, you can give a little bit of grace, right? If someone has never worked in this particular industry and they're like, well, and, and they might use that sort of sentence that is, to me, it, it sounds like pennies in a coffee can. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh God. Uh, when someone is like, well, that's too expensive for what you're getting. That's too expensive, da, 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 when it has to do with food. Especially nowadays, right? Y'all are seeing when you go to the grocery store, you're spending, what, 80 bucks? And you look down and you're like, I got one toothpick, you know, a thing of toilet paper and some oats. Like, what? <laughs> what is happening here? You know? And that's that's right there plain as day where you can see what you're having to pay for for just necessities in life when you are going to a place that is sourcing responsibly um that is sort of making something really great happen for you to try while you're being served, right? You you should be able to deduce that the language, and I say you should, I'm saying that with a lot of like grace here, I promise. You should be able to deduce that the language you should be using is not, this is too expensive, rather, this is not in my budget. And the reason why that's important is because you don't know if it's too expensive, right? You don't understand the food costs. You don't understand what the rent is of the place. You don't understand how much energy, you know, in the walk-in the chicken is being stored, the chicken is being brined. It, like, it, I'm telling you, it, go, it comes down to it all, right? If, if you have a lease somewhere, hell, if you don't have a lease somewhere, and you are spending the labor, you are making sure you're paying your farmers, all, all of that, right? You are making sure that you are trying to create something really spectacular by sourcing responsibly, then it, yeah, it, it's going to cost money. That, that, that is how that cookie crumbles. That's just how it goes, right? Anyways, y'all are very familiar with that argument. I've maybe screamed that into my phone how many times? We don't have the time to, to really figure that out. Um, what was interesting is I was having this conversation um, with a group, let's just say. And we were, we were trying to figure out like the cost of a pop-up, cost of a supper club. Uh, a price was sort of thrown out there. 
and they were talking to me. And this is how I realized I was like, wow, we really still in 2024 do not understand why people do supper clubs, right? What is the appeal of a supper club? Because everybody's doing it, right? Every single person, every single restaurant group, every everyone out there, qualified or not, wanting to do a supper club, wanting to do some sort of prefix, wanting to do a pop-up, wanting to find different ways to make sure that space is viable. That's the truth, right? I think, I think it's really, really important to understand how, uh, how viable, especially for the amount of new creators and chefs that are out there, how viable pop-ups are, and then also why people, why people like to go to them. What's the appeal? And what's so funny is that someone who is in this industry, and I think I come across this a lot when I talk to a restaurant group. The way they think about a supper club is, oh, what is the price per plate? If you are trying to figure out how much the thing should be cost per plate, then you have missed the point on why you want to do something special. I want, I want this for every restaurant industry person that listens to this podcast, every person that wants to collaborate with a creator, with, with, with one of them internet chefs, a.k.a. me, right? The thing that you are investing in, the thing that you are going in as a, a partner and this is with, with anybody that's in the pop-up game, that, that knows the pop-up game, is that you are there to create an experience. If you are not trying to create an experience that night, then, then just put out a restaurant menu. That, and, and that there's no, uh, a lot of great restaurants out there, right? A lot of great food out there. A supper club is different. You have to remember, people are not, are not coming in just for a great plate of food. That's the truth. People are coming to experience something. And that means you have to think about how do you make that price point worth that night. And that, that is, I can answer that in about 10 different ways. But I'm not going to do it on this podcast because, number one, we're almost, we're almost out of time for this segment. But also, <laughs> um, that's something I would like to explore on the Supper Club Report, a sub-channel here at Sick Palette. But I, I realize the more meetings I have with more restaurant groups, the, the automatic sort of electricity that goes through my brain when we're starting to discuss um, logistics of it, um, what I'm trying to convey and what, and what they're trying to wrap their mind around of like, what is a ticket price? What are we offering? Before you decide you're going to do your next pop-up, your next collaboration, 
Invest in the idea that this is an experience. And the reason why you are wanting to partner with that other person who is a pop-up chef, who does supper clubs, who, who sort of lives and is able to tell their story um, online for the most part, is you, number one, you, number one, understand that their marketing is valuable. That's value right there. Number two, you are not trying to make the argument that this is what the cost is per plate, per drink. Rather, this is what you're offering for the night. And if you're not thinking in your head, how are we going to make this special? Then... Go ahead and get yourself a new restaurant menu special and that and, and call that a day. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, I don't mean that with any disrespect. I really don't. What I'm what I'm trying to say is a pop-up, a supper club is a special night. And that means there's gonna be certain plates that are gonna be small, certain plates that are gonna be big, certain plates. It's it's about a cohesive menu. We're selling a menu, we're selling a concept, we're selling a night. That's why it's a pop-up. That's why it's a supper club. It's not happening all the time, right? There, there are some people that completely understand it. You know who gets it? Like, really gets it? Like, incredibly, scarily gets it? I, I shout them out a lot, but that is because it, I learned so much that night. Um... And I, I don't I don't know if they know how much of like supper club queens they are, but the whole Veracruz team gets it. They understand that an experience, an experience is what we are investing in. The menu is going to be dope, researched, R&D heavily. But on top of that, what you are getting is a once, once in a year experience. So I beg you, restaurant groups, reaching out, not, not just to meet anybody in that space. Keep that in mind. It's an experience. And if you're not willing to either promote that marketing collab in that marketing understand that a concept that a story behind it is is just as important as the menu then go back to the drawing board there's other ways to flip it and a lot of these restaurants don't need don't need pop-ups and that's also okay too right there's space for every different kind of iteration of a food creative out there. People that own restaurants, people that don't. But also, this is also true. <laughs> Chef-run supper clubs are superior. Okay, that is all we have time for this segment. Let's move on to thing number three. <laughs> thing three. Thing three. Um, 
I was trying really hard for this not to be thing three because I, I, I just like uh, a few a few topics that this podcast circulates on. I feel like um, I could write every single newsletter on a different aspect about chips. Uh, I, I cannot stop wanting to add different kinds of chips to my menu. <laughs> My menus, I mean, the the next newsletter recipe, by the way, so dope, um, is a potato chip crusted buttermilk fried chicken. I uh, made it for New Year's. Uh, I I wish I made more. I understand. The, the reason why you only make a certain amount of fried chicken. And like everyone else is like, I'm eating salad. I am too. I'm eating salads and soups mostly. Okay. I'm I'm following it like everyone else. But also <laughs> I get through it with a with a nice amount of chips, whether it be fermented rice chips, aka vetel, or potato chips. So, anyways, um I go to my neighborhood Desi store, right? Uh aka, you know, you hear Indian store or or there's many colloquialisms about it, right? A Desi store is essentially a food store that that really houses a lot of ingredients and products um, for people of um, Indian and Desi descent. So anyways, I go to my handy dandy Desi store and um, I'm going there for some stuff that I need for this brunch. And I happen to be in the chip aisle. I'm in the chip aisle for for other reasons, but I'm, I try really hard not to look to the left. If I stick to the right side of the aisle, then it's ingredients. It's like, you know, tapioca balls. It's like, you know, um, certain kinds of lentils and grains. And as long as I keep my eyes to the right, we're safe. But I, I just couldn't help it, guys, right? It's colder, you know, I'm tired. I was like, what's the harm? Let's just, just veer my eyes quickly to the left. Let's see, see what's what. If it's not interesting, you know, no harm, no foul. You can move on with your day. Unfortunately, when I looked to the left, staring right back at me was a brand of Lay's Ridged Chips uh, with the words Masala Magic. And to me, I showed a lot of self-control by just grabbing one bag. Uh, Right below, there were three different kinds of tomato-flavored chips. And when, when I tell you, listener how much self-control I needed at that moment to just be like, absolutely not. You get one bag. You get one bag and that is it. I wanted to grab all three different flavors of tomato chips. And it, it really made me, by the way, by the way, quick little segue. Was the masala magic indeed magic? Yes, absolutely was. 10 out of 10 chip flavor. They really, 
Indian flavored chips, they really go above and beyond. Like, I, I, y'all, please let me know. But I'm thinking along with the wine review short videos I'm going to be producing, I think I want to also start doing chip review videos where not just from the Desi store, but like the amount of different kinds of flavors that are internationally known. I want to collect them all. I want to know about them. What are they making in Latin America? What are they making in China? What flavors are happening in North Africa? I, I need to know. So, uh, I think, I think <laughs> in 2024, I need to know more chip flavors because, um, there's, there's nothing more exciting to me right now currently. And I do have like exciting projects, but when I think about the different kinds of chip flavors out there, I, I, I think I want to delve in. I want to dive in. Um, Masala Magic, little sweet, quick review, little sweet, little savory, little sparkly. It tasted sparkly. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that was just like chemicals, but it worked. It was the perfect amount of sweet synthetic umami covering every chip. I still have some downstairs. But I, I, have, I have closed the chapter of chip eating today. We have to stop talking. I have to stop talking about chips. I will go downstairs and just finish that bag. Um, but yeah, y'all, next time you're perusing at H Mart, next time you're perusing at a, a sort of different slant of a grocery store. I highly recommend, I highly recommend going down that chip aisle, not just because it's going to be delicious, but I think in a, in a strange way, it gives you a quick gateway into the most broadest sweeps of flavors that you will encounter, a flavor profile you will encounter from that region. I'm just saying. A lot of people who are like, oh, I don't like Indian food. You know what? If I bet you anything, if I said, here are five chips of Masala Magic, I'll tell you what. They're on that train. There's something to that. I don't know where, where it lands. Anyways, <laughs> I think that means we're done. We're done with this podcast. Uh few few uh house management things for for this podcast and beyond um two different recipes are happening very 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 soon on this substack um one will be free one will be paid um the paid one will be the potato chip uh buttermilk fried chicken recipe it's good y'all um, and the other one, the other one I'll, I'll, um, start, start sort of hinting at on my Instagram. Um, and then 
another piece of content that I'm not in charge of, but uh, Monday, Monday, I will be uh, on Good Morning Texas in Dallas, back in Dallas. And um, if you want to check out that cooking segment and interview, um, you can go to the link that will be posted in the show notes um, Monday after 2 p.m. And, and you, can, you can see me make some stuff. And uh, pop-ups, pop-ups that are happening. Nothing I can talk about right now. <laughs> but stay tuned, for real. A lot of meetings are happening. Some are good. Some are fruitful. I have to go. (laughs) I'll see you guys. I will talk to y'all next week. Possibly sooner. All right. Good night. Good day. Goodbye.